Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read from first from Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, Philippians chapter 1. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that nothing I shall be ashamed, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We ask God's blessing upon the reading of his word. You may be seated. Paul the Apostle knew with confidence five things from this particular text. He knew with confidence that he would soon be released from prison. He knew that the Philippian Christians were praying for him. He knew that the Holy Spirit would be his provision. He knew that God had a plan for his life and work, and he knew that no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ would be exalted. This morning I want to focus our attention upon that third truth that the Apostle Paul mentions, and that is the provision of the Holy Spirit. Now it's an interesting way of speaking of the Holy Spirit that Paul used here in verse 19. Note it again. He says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now this can be interpreted in one of two ways. It can be interpreted to mean that the Holy Spirit would take care of all of his needs. That the Holy Spirit would take care of all of his needs. Paul is sitting in a prison in Rome for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is awaiting trial before the magistrate to see whether or not he would be free from prison. And yet he says, while I'm here in this situation and in this circumstance, the Holy Spirit is my supply. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he says. I know this to be true. In chapter 4, just turn over a page or two, verse 19. In Philippians 4, verse 19, the Apostle Paul wrote, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Look at it again. And my God shall supply some of your needs. And my God shall supply a few of your needs. And my God shall supply the more important needs that you have. No. My God, what? Will supply all, all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
Sevilla Martin, no relation to me, in 1904 wrote these words, which became a very popular old favorite hymn of mine. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Through days of toil, when heart doth fail, when dangers fierce your path assail, no matter what may be the test, lean, weary one, upon his breast. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. God does supply all our need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But the phrase can also be interpreted to mean that the Holy Spirit himself is our supply. The Holy Spirit himself is our supply in time of need. He not only blesses us with gifts from God, he is a blessed gift to us from God. Where would you be today if not for the Holy Spirit? Where would you be today if not for the Holy Spirit? Some of you do not know the Holy Spirit practically. I mean, you read about Him in the Bible and you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, but you don't know Him practically. You've never experienced Him. And in the ups and downs of life, in the in and out of life, in the ebb and flow of life, you are not consciously aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. You're not aware that He is with you that his desire is to lead you through the troubled times and to rejoice with you in the celebrations of life. You do not know him practically. You know him theoretically. You know him philosophically. You know him theologically. But you don't know him practically. And so this morning there are three things regarding the Holy Spirit that I want to briefly touch on. Uh, there is no time to go into a full-blown theology of the Holy Spirit. That would take a specific sermon series to be able to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, pilot a low-flying aircraft and we're just going to skim the tops of the mountain as we fly through this subject of the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us to understand this. It was important for the Apostle Paul because he mentioned the supply of the Spirit in Christ Jesus while he is there in prison. Now you may not necessarily be facing a physical prison in your future. You wouldn't be experiencing it now because that's why you're here. But maybe you think of being in church as being a prison. I know some of you. But dear friends, we're all in a prison of one sort or another. Some of us are in prison to sin. We are all in prison on a world that's ungodly, corrupt, inhumane, self-destructive and on its road to hell. We're all in that prison. And so, whether we are willing to acknowledge that or not, we have to come to terms with the fact that we are not free as human beings. We are not free to be as we want to be, to do as we want to do, or even to say as we want to say. We may think that we are, but we are not. 
We are bound by certain forces, some of them physical, some of them governmental, most of them spiritual. We are bound in a prison that keeps us from experiencing true joy and true freedom. Paul was in a physical prison and he said that the Holy Spirit of Christ was his supply. So I want to mention three things this morning about the Holy Spirit and what Paul was referring to. First of all, we need to address who is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Secondly, the Holy Spirit and our humanity. Who is the Holy Spirit with regard to our humanity? And third, who is the Holy Spirit with regard to the Christian? The Holy Spirit and the Christian. First of all, who the Holy Spirit is. Who is the Holy Spirit? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament speak of the Holy Spirit as God. The Holy Spirit is God. Not a God. Not one of three Christian gods. But God himself. He has the same divine essence, character, nature, personality, attributes, will, and purposes of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. And yet, they are one. Three persons, one God. Kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around can't really define it in human terms because it is one of those mysteries of the Godhead that's be really beyond us. We can try to describe by using the example of an egg that's a shell and an egg white and an egg yolk, uh, but those three are not the same thing. And we can try to describe it by using, say, a person like myself. I am the son of my father, I am the husband of my wife, and I am the father of my children. But that really does not describe the Holy Spirit because I'm not three different persons. I just fulfill three different roles. So we're, it's, it's kind of difficult to put the Trinity into a box that we can completely fully understand. Dr. Hyatt put it this way. Dr. Hyatt, my Old Testament professor in college, he said that the work of the one is the work of all, and the work of all is the work of each. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in concert with each other, one God with each individual working in concert with the other individuals to fulfill God's purpose and will in creation. Again, that's not an easy concept to grasp, but there it is. The Holy Spirit is not a divine force. Very popular back um, years ago when Star Wars came out and in uh, the uh, first installment um, there was this saying uh, from the Jedi Master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, may the force be with you. And a lot of people kind of understood that or interpreted that as being God. The, the force that's in all of creation, that's in all of the universe, that uh, propels people uh, forward to accomplish good things. The Holy Spirit is not a divine force. He is not an it. He is a person. He is a person. He has intellect. He has will. And he has emotion. John chapter 14. Turn to John chapter 14. We're going to do a little Bible study this morning, so you want to have your Bible open and ready. And we'll be coming back to John 14 a couple of times. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. John 14, verses 15 through 17. And I want you to note the personal pronouns that the Apostle John uses in describing the Holy Spirit. John 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, Jesus said, and he's speaking to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Keep that in mind. 
another helper, that he, speaking of this helper, he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, again, that helper, nor knows him, again, that helper. But you know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. And now drop down to verse 26. Peace, I leave with you. He states, no, back up to verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. These personal pronouns, he and him, refer to the helper that Jesus promised would come to the disciples. And then he identifies this helper as the Holy Spirit in verse 26. These nouns and these pronouns and these verbs all express the Holy Spirit, who he is, and that he is divine. He is God. The Holy Spirit was with the Father and Christ the Son in eternity past and participated with the Father and with the Son in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Acts chapter 5, in verses 3 and 4, the apostle Peter was addressing Ananias, who had lied about a certain sum of money that he was going to give to the church because there were needs that needed to be met in the fellowship of the church in Jerusalem. And he said he was going to sell some property and he was going to give that money to the apostles so that the needs of the people could be met. And yet he withheld some of that money for himself. He skimmed off the top and kept some for himself. Well, he comes to bring this offering to the Apostle Peter, but the Holy Spirit speaks through the Apostle Peter and identifies Ananias as not only a thief, but as a liar. And so in verses 3 and 4, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own, uh, in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Why have you allowed Satan to put this in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then Peter says, you have lied to God. So he equates the Holy Spirit as God. Second, the Holy Spirit is the representative of Jesus Christ. Now here's where a lot of people get confused and kind of cattywampus in their theology about the Holy Spirit. He is the representative of Jesus Christ to us. Now listen to this. He is the same as Jesus Christ among us. He is the same as Jesus Christ among us. Now notice again John 14, verses 15, 16, and 17. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The word another. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word another means another of the same kind. Another of like kind. The Holy Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit is to us as Jesus Christ was to the original disciples. 
He is the representative of Jesus Christ to us as Jesus Christ was the representative of God the Father to the disciples. The only difference is that Jesus Christ was clothed in human flesh. The Holy Spirit is not, but they are the same. They are the same. A.T. Robertson puts it this way, quote, The Christian has Christ as his paraclete, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Christian has Christ as his paraclete with the Father. The Holy Spirit as the Father's paraclete with us. Let me say that again. Quote, The Christian has Christ as his paraclete with the Father. The Holy Spirit as the Father's paraclete with us. End quote. In other words, just as Jesus Christ represents us before God the Father in heaven, so the Holy Spirit represents God living within the Christian. In other words, you, cannot, you can distinguish between the persons of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but you cannot separate them. They are God. And they are one. One in essence, one in character, one in nature, one in will, one in purpose, all across the board. Third, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper, but we will get into this in just a moment. So, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is Christ's representative to us, as Christ was God's representative to the disciples. He was more than that, but he was a representative of the representative God to the disciples, and he is our helper. Second, who is the Holy Spirit to our humanity? Who is the Holy Spirit to our humanity? Better put, what would humanity be without the Holy Spirit? What would humanity be? What would men and women and boys and girls be without the Holy Spirit? And the answer simply is this, forever damned. Forever damned. Without the Holy Spirit, now listen, without the Holy Spirit there would be no gospel. Without the Holy Spirit there would be no gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. Would you agree with that? Jesus Christ is the gospel? Jesus Christ left the courts of heaven to be clothed in human flesh. He lived a perfectly sinless life. He offered his body an atoning sacrifice for our sin and he rose from the dead three days later as proof and guarantee of God's salvation. None of that would be possible without the Holy Spirit. None of it. According to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, the Holy Spirit created the body of the infant Jesus in the womb of Mary. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, or the Holy Spirit will come to you. And the power of the highest... That's a reference to God the Father. The power of the highest will overshadow you. In other words, will cover you like a cloud. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. This coming to you and overshadowing you was the work of the Holy Spirit forming, creating and forming the body of the infant Jesus in the womb of Mary. Jesus would not have been born among us without the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in Mary. It was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus every moment of every day of his earthly life. Led him out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Ministered to him while he was out there 
in that wilderness. Led him to live a sinless, holy, and righteous life in his flesh. It was the Holy Spirit who gave Jesus courage and strength to submit to the crucifixion. And it was the Holy Spirit in concert with the Father and with Christ himself who raised him from the dead. I said the work of all is the work of each and the work of each is the work of all. That was certainly true in the resurrection of Jesus. Acts chapter 2 verses 23 and 24 the apostle Peter says him in reference to Jesus. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, Theos, in reference to God the Father, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. God the Father was at work in raising Jesus from the dead. Romans chapter 8 verse 11, but if... The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Paul the Apostle says the Holy Spirit was at work in raising Jesus from the dead. In John chapter 2 verse 19, Jesus said to them, to the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, destroy this temple, that is, destroy this body, destroy my body, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And if that's not clear enough, he said in John 10, verses 17 and 18, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Christ was involved in raising Jesus from the dead. God the Father was involved in raising Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit of God was involved in raising Jesus from the dead. The work of all is the work of each, and the work of each is the work of all. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no New Testament. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no New Testament. And I would just simply go on to state, without the Holy Spirit, there'd be no Bible at all. But more specifically, in, in relationship to the Christian life, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no New Testament. When Jesus ascended into heaven, now get this, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he, he left the ministry of his kingdom to his disciples. And you say, well, we know that. That's not a big deal. Oh, yeah, it was a big deal. Let me explain. These disciples were to be responsible for carrying out the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. We'll get to that in a minute. How were these disciples going to carry out the Great Commission and be effectively responsible for the kingdom of Christ on earth. They were never good students as Jesus' disciples. Their ego got in the way from time to time. Their own self-interests got in the way from time to time. Bless his heart, the apostle Peter spent more time taking his foot out of his mouth than he did walking on it. They were never really good students as his disciples. Seldom did they understand what Jesus was talking about. They had to ask him to explain to them what does that mean. And oftentimes they didn't understand the purpose of miracles. They didn't understand what, why did you do this? What, what was behind all of this? How could they do any better after his resurrection and ascension? How could they be bold and powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ if they hid in fear 
of being arrested and condemned as Jesus had been condemned. How could they possibly remember all that Jesus taught them? Because that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, did he not? Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. He said, All authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. How were they going to do that after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus if they couldn't master that before His death, burial, and resurrection? And the answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because what Jesus said at the close of that commission is this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. How could Jesus be with them always if he has ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Christ among us as he was among the disciples in his flesh. He is his representative to us. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowered these disciples on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He was the one who came uh, as a, uh, the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus Christ to infill them with his power and with his glory, with his majesty, so that they would go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. I will be with you even to the end of the age. John chapter 14 and verse 26. Jesus said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. There were still some things that they needed to be taught. And the Holy Spirit would teach those things to them. John chapter 15, verse 26, When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. He will bear witness of who I am and what I have done. And He will do that in you, and He will do that through you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Let's take a look at that passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. In this passage of Scripture, we, we begin to understand what Jesus meant when he said to these disciples that this helper whom I will send to you, he will tell you all things and he will bring to mind those things that I have taught you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10, but God, the Apostle Paul says, but God has revealed them the things of God that he spoke of uh, in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, but God has revealed the things of God to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the, the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, he says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the Apostle Paul is, in essence, saying, as the Holy Spirit would continue to teach the disciples after Jesus' ascension, and would bring to mind the things that he had taught them before his death, burial, and resurrection, so the same Holy Spirit will teach us the things of God. He will reveal to us and help us understand the spiritual truths 
that we were not able to witness by being in the presence of Jesus Christ when he was here in the flesh. How do we know that these are the things that Christ has said? You know, there's, there's a great debate. There's a, there is a society even in existence today that questions the very words of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, the Jesus Seminar. And they go through and they, they weed out, according to them, those things that Jesus really didn't say. Well, how do they know? Were they there? That they could pass judgment upon what the Holy Spirit has inspired these apostles to write down that are now in the canon of the New Testament? I was not there. You were not there. Yet we read these words in the text and we believe that these are the words of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? The Holy Spirit testifies these truths to our heart and to our mind and to our understanding. The Holy Spirit teaches us the very things that Jesus taught his disciples. He teaches us through God's Word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. The Apostle Peter says, No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Third, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christianity. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christianity. You owe your Christian faith. Not only to Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to secure that salvation, but you owe your Christian faith to the Holy Spirit. Without the birth of Jesus Christ, there would be no gospel, no atoning death, no resurrection, no salvation from sin, no eternal life. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no New Testament that reveals all of these things to us. J.I. Packer, who passed away not too long ago, one of the great theologians of this last generation, J.I. Packer said, The Holy Spirit opens blinded eyes, restores spiritual vision, enables sinners to see that the gospel is indeed God's truth and scripture is indeed God's word and Christ is indeed God's son. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christianity. It would have died out with the last apostle, the apostle John. Our time is gone, but allow me just a few minutes more because we need to address who is the Holy Spirit to us as Christians. Who is the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul sitting there in a Roman prison? And who is the Holy Spirit to you and me in a world that's lost, ungodly, corrupt, and on its way to destruction? So who is he to Paul? Who is he to us? Look again at John chapter 14. So let's go back to John chapter 14. Verses 15, 16, and 17, and verse 26. John 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. The word helper in the English is the Greek word parakletos. Parakletos. 
And literally it means the one who comes alongside. The one who comes alongside. The Holy Spirit is God. Grasp this if you can. The Holy Spirit is God who has come alongside us. He has come alongside us. He is our comforter, as translated in some English Bibles. He is our advocate, as translated in other English Bibles. He is our counselor, as translated in some other English Bibles. He befriends us. As a friend comes alongside you to help you, he befriends you. He encourages you. He supports, assists, and cares for you. He shoulders the responsibility of our welfare. J.I. Packer said that, and I think that's a marvelous way of describing the work of the Holy Spirit. He shoulders the responsibility for our welfare. How so? Let me give you just five ways, very briefly, just five ways. Number one, John chapter 14, verse 26, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He blesses us, listen, he blesses us with wise counsel. He blesses us with wise counsel. John, uh, not John, the Apostle James, chapter 1, he writes, Do any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask of God, who gives it to you liberally and without upbraiding you. Do you want wisdom? God will give it to you. How does he give it to you? Through his Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit has a number of different ways that He can impart wisdom to you. He can impart wisdom to you through the written Word of God. He can impart wisdom to you through the counsel of Christian men and women. He can impart wisdom to you simply through observing what God is doing in the world. He is God's wise counsel to us by opening up our understanding to God's Word, by writing His Word upon our hearts, by reminding us of its truths in every life situation. Second, the Holy Spirit lives within us to give us knowledge and wisdom and power to live the Christ life. He lives within us so that we can live for Him. He empowers us to be what God created us to be. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20, the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians that God, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or opened up, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, that you may know what God wants you to do, in other words. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance to the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places. You want to know what God has in store for you? You want to know what God wants you to do? You want to know God's will and purpose for your life? Then you need to listen to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you. Third, the Holy Spirit empowers us with spiritual gifts that we might serve the Lord with confidence, with effectiveness, and with fruitfulness. Well, I don't have anything to do. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Well, listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now this is a wonderful passage of Scripture because here again you have the Trinity being exposed. There are diversities of gift, but the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord, reference to Jesus Christ. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God, Theos, a reference to God the Father, who works all in all. But the manifestation, these gifts, 
These spiritual uh, abilities come from the Holy Spirit given to you so that everyone may benefit from it. You want to know what your spiritual gift is? You need to speak to the Lord about that and He will reveal that to you. His Holy Spirit will give you understanding as to what it is He wants you to do. Number four, the Holy Spirit is our seal, our guarantee of full and complete salvation so that we can live and we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ with confidence no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. He is our seal and our guarantee of full and complete salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our heart as a guarantee. Do you know if you're going to heaven when you die? You ought to. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. And by virtue of the fact that He is living within you, He is your guarantee that you have a place in God's eternity. If you do not have the Holy Spirit living within you, then you've got some work you need to do. You've got some things you need to think about. Scripture says that His Spirit agrees with our spirit that we are the children of God. It is the Holy Spirit who confirms in you your relationship to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then five, sometimes in the weaknesses of our flesh, and in the weaknesses of our faith, we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to do in difficult times, in troubling times, in uncertain times. Sometimes we're faced with a very critical decision and we don't know what decision we're to make. It is then that the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us. He intercedes for us before the throne of God in heaven. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. The Apostle Paul says, The Spirit also helps in our weakness. Any of you ever been spiritually weak? Any of you ever been weak in the faith? Any of you ever been troubled in spirit? Any of you ever faced a situation that you do not know what to do? You don't know which way to turn? You don't know what God would have you do and how God would have you respond? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is God. Without him, we would be damned. We would be on our way not only to self-destruction in the physical life but eternal destruction forever. He is our helper. The Apostle Paul knew these things. The Apostle Paul understood these things. The Holy Spirit was with him there in that prison cell. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to him and ministering to him. And the Apostle Paul was listening to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And because of that, he knew with confidence that his time in the jail would only be short. He knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Philippian Christians were praying for him. He knew that the Holy Spirit was there with him in that prison cell to comfort him, to advise him, to provide for him. He was Paul's supply in that prison. He knew. 
he knew that life or death didn't matter would bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. He knew that God had a plan for his life and that he was walking down that road to fulfill God's plan and purpose in his life and nothing would deter him from accomplishing God's will in life or in death. He wasn't afraid of it at all. What do you know for certain? What do you know for certain that gives you renewed joy, that gives you peace, that gives you confidence in times of uncertainty and trouble. Stand with me as David comes and leads us in a song. And we'll dismiss. David? May we leave today with this certainty. He is Lord. Father, I pray that as we leave the house, we will go knowing that the presence of the Holy Spirit goes with us, and that, Father, as He is your representative in our lives, we will be the representative of Christ to a lost and dying world. May we be faithful in our witness. May we be faithful in following the leadership of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.